You are listening to Cannabinerds, exploring the social, political, and scientific worlds of cannabis. Today we are talking to Milos Vojvodic, a neuroscientist, cannabis expert, researcher, cultivation and extraction expert, as well as the operations manager at Medical Cannabis Australia. He manages cultivation and extraction methodologies with psychopharmacology. He is currently researching how specific cannabis types, I really don't like saying the word strains, but the types that help with specific illnesses. He is originally from Croatia and Serbia but has lived in Australia most of his life. What I like about him, other than his wonderful Aussie accent, is that he wants to get the correct information regarding cultivation and medical cannabis to the public. Thank you for listening. Welcome, everybody, to another great episode of Cannabinerds. I have, well, I'm David. I have Rachel. Hello. That makes us Cannabinerds. And we actually have another special guest today, uh, all the way from Melbourne, Australia. And uh, his name is Milos. So Milos is a medical cannabis researcher who merges neuroscience with cultivation and extraction methodologies. He is currently developing a database that pairs chemovirus to specific medical use cases and all the way from melbourne australia milos milos how's it going hi david hi rachel thanks for having me absolutely uh, always happy to contribute to the medical cannabis community i got milos and i was trying rachel and i were trying to go over how to pronounce your last name correctly and uh if you're a listener to the show you know i don't pronounce things correctly Oof. at all yes <laughs> understatement so it's uh voivodich it's very close actually yeah voivodich voivodich oh that makes yeah. more sense i'm putting the wrong emphasis on the syllables there <laughs> so thank you oh, he's done well he's done well <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What I, I'll, we'll just kick this right off the bat. Milos, uh, I just wanted to get your view in explaining the differences between chemovars versus cultivars and referring specifically to cannabis. Sure, David, no worries. So a cultivar is a group of plants selected for desirable physical characteristics that are generally maintained throughout the life cycle and passed on to the next generation. So... When we use the term cultivar, we are generally referring to plants that have been bred and cultivated in such a way that brings out and preserves characteristics that to meet specific business objectives such as disease and pest resistance, rate of development, or yield per square meter. So when breeding chemical varieties or chemovars, we take the previously mentioned characteristics into account but we redirect our focus towards breeding, preserving plants that yield a desirable chemical profile of cannabinoids, terpenoids, and flavonoids. So that's the key difference there. Okay, so we hear a lot about, you know, indica effects versus sativa effects, you know, like the old Inda couch when they're describing indica. And so how, if at all, how does that hold up as a description? Specifically, when talking about chemovars and cultivars, what, what does indica and sativa have to do with that? 
Yeah, that's actually a great follow-up question to address a very common misconception. So people generally associate indica cultivars with sedating psychoactive effects and sativa right. cultivars with uplifting effects, as you've just mentioned. Yeah. Mm. Uh, since since we've been able to legally study cannabis, we've come to realize that the no, this nomenclature only holds true when describing the physical characteristics of the plant. So it's still true that sativa generally grows taller with narrow leaves and the indica grows shorter with broader leaves. However, some sativa varieties tend to produce a chemical profile that actually causes sedating psychoactive effects and some indica varieties tend to produce a profile that causes uplifting effects. So this is why it's so important to focus on breeding chemovars as opposed to breeding cultivars within the domain of medical cannabis cultivation. There's this theory, the entourage effect. And basically, uh, for those of us who don't know, it's basically you have one cannabinoid, you have one terpene, they have their specific functions. But when you put them together, the, the theory is that one plus one equals five. There's, there's more benefits that come out of different natural acting together yeah natural compounds acting yeah. together so what research have you found in mapping those chemovars based on cannabinoid and terpene profiles in in to support the theory okay so i think we can start by breaking this into two parts so okay. firstly the fact that there's some cannabinoid uh, some cannabis compounds so the fact that some cannabis compounds can amplify the effects of others is actually a proven fact. So, for example, mesine and THC are both sedating on their own. Okay. But when combined, they can produce a stronger sedating effect at a lower dose. Okay. Um, another, yeah, so another example is Epidiolex. I'm sure you've heard of it. It's a 97% pure CBD formulation. Yep. It works for treating rare types of epilepsy. Yeah. So, Epidiolex is generally effective at doses of 2,500 milligrams. Ooh, whereas, wow. of, yeah, <laughs> that's quite well, a that's lot. The issue. Yeah, that's the issue with it. So people that are really suffering can sometimes be paying up to thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 a year just to have this treatment. Right. It is not cheap. No. Yeah. So when you compare this to a whole plant CBD extract, uh, studies have shown that the same, the um, the plant can produce the same results at only a fifth of the dose. Okay. So yeah, so it's a big difference there. So because it's using the um, other compounds, you know, in conjunction and yeah. So this is yeah. So this is a whole plant extract versus um, an epidiolex extract, which is uh, almost purely CBD. Okay. So it seems like it makes those smaller amounts of CBD more effective to have the other compounds with it that's exactly right cool so the part of this theory that is uh still a theory is that you need every single compound within the plant to achieve these synergies so there is now good evidence to support the notion that one or two plant derived isolates are not able to replicate the cancer killing effects seen in certain chemovars but a combination so a combination of three plant-derived isolates working in synergy has been successful at doing just that in in vitro studies conducted by David uh, Mieri and his team in Israel. Okay. Yeah, in, in Israel, you said? 
Yeah. So what does psychoactive mean? So the industry describes CBD as a non-psychoactive cannabinoid, but understanding cannabinoids interacting with the CB1 receptors that directly affect the central nervous system, wouldn't CBD be considered psychoactive in that? Yeah, so let's start with the definition of psychoactive. Uh, psychoactive substance changes brain functions and results in alterations in perception, mood, consciousness. Right, okay. So CBD does not don't actually directly bind to CB1, but it does occupy transporter proteins that facilitate the breakdown of the endocannabinoid anandamide. Okay. Now, anandamide is uh, very psychoactive, and CBD changes the neural processes that lead to an increased concentration of this psychoactive endocannabinoid. So to answer your question, yes, CBD is definitely psychoactive, but there is little to no intoxicating effects. So this is where the confusion stays from, I think. And thank you for helping. We've been trying to figure that out for a while too. You know, it's everyone says it's not psychoactive. And yeah, we want to make yeah. sure we're correct when we respond. <laughs> yeah, right. Because, you know, CB1 receptors directly are responding to, are they're in the central nervous system, which, you know, the brain is the central nervous system. Right. So if you're altering anything, CB1 receptors in the central nervous, of course, it's going to be psychoactive. Exactly you know? right. Exactly. That, yeah, that's what I always thought. So thank, thank you for clearing that up. Can we right now cultivate a plant to directly yield the profiles we want when getting a certain kind of extract or even as a plant yeah so yes we can but it's very difficult it takes many iterations of strict cultivation breeding and laboratory analysis this can range from anywhere from six months to three or more years in some cases to achieve a profile Okay. Wow. All right. So it, it so takes a while. <laughs> it takes yeah. a, a, a lot of patience involved with that. Yeah, yeah. And there's no guarantee at the end that you will achieve it. It is achievable, but there are so many variables when cultivating and it's a living organism. So you never know what to expect how it's going to adapt to certain environments, certain nutrients, or there's so much to it. Yeah. I can imagine something like, you know, not as much sunlight or a little bit of uh, temperature variation or, or even the soil, humidity, uh, all those things yep. that we can't really control uh, finite, you know. So I could totally see how that would it would just take a long time to get it to get yeah, it. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, that's right. All of these factors can actually change the um, profile at the end. So we can control them very closely, but uh, no, no one's to say that your power won't go out for a few days. Right. Or, you know, something like that can happen, so you never know. Can we yield a specific uh, profile in the plant with current technology, with different extraction methods, being it CO2, ethanol, alcohol, whatever you have? Yeah, I'm really interested in this one. <laughs> yeah, this is what I... Yeah, can we actually yield specifics? Okay, so this is where we have much more control. So we can actually isolate individual cannabinoids, antiopinoids, and then recombine them to create custom formulations with the technology available today. And we can do this uh, repeatedly um, every single time. 
So is that similar with terpenes in extraction? Is is it possible to preserve the terpenes even throughout the extraction methods? Okay, so it's never possible to preserve 100% of the terpenes because even if you have a flower and you can smell it, the, the fact that you're smelling it means that some of the terpenes are... Okay. It's still, it is possible to preserve a very high percentage of terpenes cool. with the right methods and tools, such as vacuum freeze dryers, um, subcritical CO2 runs, and custom condensed vapor extractors. Okay. No, that's oh. So with uh, Rachel and I were discussing uh, the vacuum freeze dryers and well, how was, that preserves terpenes. Well, that was and, like the live resin. We've been getting into like live resins a bit more. Yeah, yeah. And so I was reading that it was because it was frozen upon as soon as it was cut. So it was frozen from fresh and then extracted from fresh in essence. Is that so that helps preserve more, you think? So there is something, yeah, definitely something called fresh frozen where you literally just you cut the plant and you snap freeze it, as you mentioned. Mm -hmm. And this can be taken to an um, extraction artist who can then extract um yeah a live resin yeah with this method you're able to preserve a lot more of the more delicate terpenes yeah and the flavors from my you know and the flavors as well yeah yeah so this is really really good for a smaller uh craft just craft um extraction methods okay but if you want to take it to a large scale or for the medical industry it's very difficult to um to create a viable um, standard operating procedure to allow for that. Okay. So what's the percentage that you would say, the percentage of terpenes that are preserved when flash freezing as opposed to just going right into the CO2 extraction? It depends on a lot of different variables. So if you're going straight to the CO2, it depends how long it's been sitting there, the temperature, the, you know, so much more okay. to it. And the... Um, uh, how skilled the extractor artist is, mm-hmm. but it's more so the more delicate terpenes. Okay. Honestly, I, I wouldn't be able to give you an exact uh, percentage, right? Because there's just way too many variables. If it was, uh, I mean, a controlled environment where I could actually take into account all the variables, I could tell you. But just off the top of my head, I would be guessing. So. No, no, okay. I get it. We were talking to uh, another extraction expert. What I got out of it was there are a lot of variables. There's just so many. You can't really get exactly what you want at the end, saying what I want at the beginning, because there's just so many different variables. And we were talking about that already. So you're saying how important it was to find out the chain, you know, is it harvested here and then transported here or, you know. Well, that's exactly, yeah, exactly right. So, yeah, if you have all that information, then you can sit down and work it out. Yeah. <laughs> or you could just see what works best yeah. for you. <laughs> so, Milos, what are you currently working on right now? Okay, David. Currently, I'm working on roadmaps for producing safe and effective cannabinoid-based medicine and a database for matching chemovars to medical use cases. So, That's this awesome. is, of course, a big endeavor to undertake. Um, it requires an understanding of the endocannabinoid system, chemical cultivation, cannabis extraction. And I found that medical cannabis companies have come to appreciate the benefits of taking a research-based approach to the IP development. 
And this is one way that I've been able to add value to the upcoming industry here in Australia as an independent contractor. So how can people find you then to find out more? So I think the best way to find me is just via LinkedIn. So it's linkedin.com forward slash IN forward slash M-I-L-O-S-V-O-J-B-O-D-I-C. Okay. Yeah. We'll put a link in the show notes for that. So yeah, that, that'd be much better. <laughs> then you just click on a link. And, uh, so speaking of that, how can, um, we and our listeners help support you and the work that you're doing with this, what we've just been talking about with the medical cannabis companies. I think the best way to people can support me is by making more lab data freely available or introducing me to more people that have access to it. This episode is brought to you by TheHempJar.com. You know, CBD oil is everywhere. Gas stations, pillows, I've even seen it on pizza. It's hard to figure out where to start or what's even good. Neuroscientists and doctors are discovering that the more compounds in hemp or oil products, the more synergistic balance one can obtain. That's why products from The Hemp Jar contain every natural compound about 480, not just the handful that common CBD oil provides. TheHempJar.com delivers the whole genetic code of the plant and delivers it right to your front door. Feel the difference by going to TheHempJar.com and entering in promo code CANNABINERDS10 for 10% off any order. Every natural compound giving the most relief for you and your wallet. TheHempJar.com in its most natural form. If you could say one thing to wrap up everything we've talked about and enlighten the audience with misconceptions or misinformation that you see today in the industry, what what would it be? <laughs> I would say focus on what's inside the plant that you're cultivating before planning on how much of it you could produce. So quality over quantity, kind of? Yeah. I mean, if you're developing a medical um, formulation targeted at a medical uh, condition, you could grow as much of a certain cultivar as you like, but if it's not matched to a specific use case in a medical um, context, it's it's sort of wasted. So a lot of people go for that, you know, what's my profit going to be without figuring out, well, what are they going to treat and what are, what kind of uh, compounds will they grow in their cannabis that they can either extract or that can be beneficial as a either a dry flower smoke product, full-spectrum extract, or isolates that can be derived from that product. Awesome. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited to see as more of this chemo of our research comes out and we can, you know, get more accurate results on what we're intaking, you know, and just I feel like it would so much more pinpoint what we're trying to get to, what we're trying to help heal and, you know, remedy. So Absolutely. I think it'll be awesome. Yeah, exactly right. Well, thank you so much, Milosha. I really appreciate you coming on to enlighten us with that wonderful Australian accent of yours. Yes, and working with the time zones, too. You are kind of leading the way to find specific plant varieties that will help with certain ailments. No, thank you for having me, guys. I appreciate your time. Thanks, David. Thanks, Rachel. Yeah, 
Thank you so much to Milos Vojvodic, or Vojvodic, Vojvodic, for being a part of Cannabinards. So what are the takeaways from this? One, specific chemovars and cultivars are more fine-tuned cannabis types that really narrow down specifics of treating specific ailments. Two, indica and sativa are not necessarily the correct descriptors when explaining what cannabis types have certain effects of. That's what chemovars and cultivars are for. Three, the entourage effect. Scientifically, the only part that is still a theory is the mapping of every single natural compound to another. Most known compounds already do work together, making the entourage effect, in my opinion, more of a fact than theory. Four, I liked when he said, focus on what's inside the plant that you're cultivating before planning on how much of it you can produce. This rings so true in today's industry. I hope you enjoyed listening to Milos as much as I did in this episode, and we hope to have him on again soon. You've been listening to Cannabinerds, learning all the social, political, and scientific worlds of cannabis. If you want to support us, give us a few stars or write a review on iTunes or your podcast app of choice. That really helps us out a lot. And as always, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Pod. Or if you want to get in touch with us, you can go to CannabinerdsPodcast.com. I'm David reminding you to stay safe, learn and teach others, and take care of each other. Thanks for listening. So, as you all know, we are cannabinoids, and that means we absolutely love bringing the cannabis industry to your ears and all of the details that come with that. But we also love your partnership and support. A lot of work goes into creating each episode and keeping it free for everybody. You can support cannabinoids continuing to do that by becoming a Patreon. Becoming a Patreon for Cannabinerds comes with several perks, like ad-free episodes, bonus episodes, and even some sweet Cannabinerds t-shirts and hats. To become a Patreon, head over to CannabinerdsPodcast.com. Click on the Patreon button. It's that easy. It's been amazing being a part of Cannabinerds, so we invite you to join us so you can be a Cannabinerd too.